Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight series, where we highlight the companies, the people, and the technologies that we believe are shaping the future of retail. And today, we're excited because we are joined by Dustin and Christina Finkel, the winners of the Insignia Pitch Slam contest, and the founders and CEO and CMO of the snack brand, Kapop. Christina and Dustin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool that we're finally doing this. So. Uh, for those listening, the, and I know that the loyal followers uh, of us know this pretty well, but uh, the Insignia Pitch Slam competition was something we've been talking about and marketing for quite a while. And originally it was supposed to happen out in Expo West, which was, God, Ann, when was that supposed to be like? That March? was like, yeah, that was the beginning of the end, really. Like that was the, one of the first ones it felt <laughs> like that was like, we're done. All Everything's are getting canceled. Like I remember that being the biggest one. Everybody was shocked. So it's really exciting to have you guys on the show and for this to be Thank you. a reality. Yeah. You were one of the few that actually made it out to Anaheim before oh. it got canceled. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? You know, I was really hopeful. Um, it was, you know, this was at the very tail end of normalcy, as we used to know it. And I really was a believer that, you know, worst case scenario, even if there was a smaller attendee based, you know, this is an opportunity for us to capture on some of the momentum that we had as a brand. And I figured this was something we might as well maximize the opportunity. And Expo West is something I've been going to since 2009, I think. And okay. it's one of my favorite events of the year. It's incredibly well put on. And so uh, it was eerie, though, to go out there and it just to be empty. I mean, we probably were one of 20, 30 people there, felt like, beyond the workers and all the amazing people right. who were trying to set it up. And uh, it was, it was kind of sad, eerie, um, and also a realization of what was to come. And it was about another week before things really hit the fan. I had one more trip to Chicago the following week, and then that was kind of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. Like I said, yeah, it was kind of the, the start of it all when we first got word of that. And then six weeks later, Insignia ends up holding the pitch slam competition virtually online and, and you guys were the winners. Uh, yeah. uh, that's awesome. So congratulations on behalf of Ann and myself for that. That's, that's huge news. Uh, why don't we start there though? Let's start with why'd you guys win? Like what's so, what's so cool about <laughs> uh, and what you guys are all about? Why don't you start? <laughs> um, well, we found out about the competition um, through LinkedIn, and I was like, this is perfection. This is exactly what we need. You have a, an amazing company like Insignia who is coming into the Expo West space looking for brands who I think fit our description, high growth trajectory, reshaping the way that people are thinking about categories, and at significant inflection points. Um, which the way that they had been doing things to this point can't be the way that they continue to do things in the future. And so when I looked at what they were doing from the business model and where we were at from a space, it was an absolute perfect fit. So we were super excited to uh, apply. And you know that there's a good fit when you're filling out an application and the answers come so fluidly and so easily about how you would be able to partner with them and why you think you're a good fit. So um, so I think the, the core of that piece was there from the beginning. And then what we layered onto that was, I don't know, pure Kapop flavor, let's call it that. So um, 
we we approach everything at 250% when it comes to this. So there wasn't a PowerPoint deck. There wasn't a rehearsed speech. Uh, we brought full costume change action figures. We exploded boards. We had a full setup and we translated our brand story of nature's original super snack powered by sorghum to the insignia digital marketing campaign and how our two superpowers combined will make this the most impactful case study about what smart analytic driven marketing can do to accelerate a business. So we're thrilled. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And the grand prize is huge too, right? A hundred thousand dollars in mobile marketing for, for the next year. That's, that's gotta be pretty big. So it's huge um, and it's incredibly important to us. And, and we didn't realize this at the time we applied, but it's even more impactful in the world of COVID right now as foot traffic and stores right. are changing, shopping behavior is changing, people are moving online. So to have that opportunity to partner with Insignia, their mobile campaign, some of the things we're doing with e-commerce is incredibly powerful. And to reiterate something that Christina said that I, I take great pride in in my team, you got to see Christina and I on the screen. What you didn't get to see was in the time where we're in shelter in place and we're at home, my team came together to bust their humps over a week long period to, to create a set. We had a full background set for the show. We had two sets really, the one that was gonna be there while others were presenting. And then the one that we kind of revealed as we presented, we had costume changes, we had to get figurines made. And my team uh, put their heart and soul over the weekend, over the week to prepare for this pitch. And it's something that we do as a brand. And, and I take, again, great pride in the fact that everything we do, whenever we present ourselves, whether it's to retailers, to demos, to pitch slams, which we've been a part of a few, we always bring 110%. It's cliche, but really we think through every detail, how it's going to be portrayed and make sure that that could pop flair, which is fun. And we'll talk about this, but we're bringing fun back to snacking. And so okay. everything we do should be fun and exciting and engaging. Well, and I feel bad. I feel I feel a little bad now for the your fellow competitors in the pitch slam competition because the one thing I learned too is that you guys have to practice with this going into it. So you guys were part of Shark Tank too, right? Like, how did how did that experience play into the whole thing? And you know what what did you learn from pitching that and how you pitched it and what you pitched uh, play into you know what you did with the, the insignia competition? I think Shark Tank has set us up as a business, which we can talk about incredibly well. But for other pitches, um, the hard part now is being creative for every pitch. Like how do we, how do we bring that same flair and energy and be unique and different? Cause now we've got, we've done about three or four pitches now and uh, we got to keep fighting the creativity there. Well, tell us then, tell us exactly what, what is the product? Like give us the background on what it is. Um, yeah. And then let's talk about where you guys are as a company. So as a business relationship, um, we're obviously a husband and wife team as well. Um, but it has been, on our absolute must do in our lifetimes, uh, start a company together. And okay. we have deep background in food, having each worked in the CPG space and food in particular for over 15 years at this point. But um, we've always had this conviction and, and, and passion for the idea of doing something for ourselves. Um, and so it's always been in the back of our mind, but we just kept pressure testing that desire with ideas and nothing ever held water. We always found points of weakness or things that really felt that they weren't viable or sustainable um, in the concept or the idea. And um, that changed when we started playing around with ancient grains. Um, and I'll let Dustin take the story from there because it's really his passion around it that unlocked everything for the company. 
definitely a team effort, but I, uh, I'm a CrossFit trainer, personal trainer, nutrition enthusiast. I care deeply about what we put in our bodies. And I believe wholeheartedly that there's connection between what we eat and our health and wellness, right? And that goes into nutrients, proteins, et cetera. And I've worked in the CPG space for a long time and I've actually been CEO or CMO of other small companies. I had never started my own company. One of the things that always frustrated me is that there was always trade-offs. And, you know, this is gonna sound cliche in the natural food world, but I really wanted to find a snack that was not gonna be a trade-off. And I wasn't thinking, hey, I'm gonna launch this as a new brand. I just didn't wanna have a trade-off. And so ultimately, we were eating a lot of popcorn at the time. And, okay. you know, the, the better for you popcorns, which I say better for you with hand quotes because better for you is kind of nonsense in my opinion. But in any case, so we went into the pantry and ancient grains are grains that have been around for thousands of years, have never been hybridized, modified, genetically altered, or so thoroughly nutritious in their genetic format from protein, fiber, uh, regenerative, sustainable, etc. And so I was like, I wonder if this can pop. Literally, it started off like every other natural food company, despite my experience. I wonder if this can pop. And so yeah. we threw it on the stove and it pops, but it makes these tiny, tiny little kernels that are like what you find at the bottom of a popcorn bag. And, but it was delicious. It was nutritious. Our six-year-old son at the time, Merrick, who is the most picky eater in the world and so frustrating for us, uh, he loved it. We loved it. Our neighbors loved it. And we knew we were onto something. But I realized the format was completely incorrect for the marketplace. I mean, case in point, my son was eating it once and walked to the neighbor's house and there was like a trail, like something out <laughs> of a fairy tale of like these pop sorghum pieces down the block. And I saw that when consumers were engaged in it. So we figured out a format which has turned into popped chips and most recently are popped uh, uh, puffs, which are incredibly insanely delicious. And so that was the first part. The second part was how do we make this taste good? So I wanted to bring authenticity, simplicity, and joy back to snacking. So we add cold pressed oil and then seasoning. And the seasonings are literally what you find in your pantry. But we also wanted to be uh, a brand. One of the first metrics was, can you bring this to schools? So not that it's a kid's brand, but like schools are allergen free or have restrictions. And if you write about this, a lot of brands that try and fit that need for kids actually compensate with a lot of sugar. So like we wanted a brand that kids could bring to school. So we wanted to be allergen free. Well, that poses a problem because cheese is one of the biggest sellers to come back to, right? And so there's some other challenges. We want to be gluten-free, non-GMO, of course, and kind of check the boxes um, uh, of, of the natural food category. And so vegan cheese is probably one of my favorite things that we've done. So we have a few flavors, which I'll get into, but our dairy-free cheese, um, which this is it in our puffs, for those of you watching on TV, um, this is, we have a dairy-free vegan cheddar and it's been, I spent about two years working on that flavor to perfect it before we launched. And I will tell you this, I have multiple dairy managers from grocery stores on video, not knowing it's not real cheese. We have, I was at a Kroger meeting recently and there was a buyer in the meeting eating a whole bag of our vegan cheddar chips. And at the end I said, you realize those are vegan, right? And she's like, no way. And if you go into Amazon where we have nearly perfect five-star reviews on all of our flavors, the response is like, I cannot believe this is as good as it is. I cannot believe this is not real cheese. Come on, you're using real cheese. And we were fortunate to be selected for the Kraft Heinz Springboard Incubator, where we actually did a taste preference against our competition. And we have significant taste preference against a lot of our competition across flavors. One of the flavors we tested was our vegan cheese and uh, it won against conventional brand dairy cheeses. So we're very proud of that.
So where where did you guys first launch the product? Were you doing, I mean, did you leverage your connections that you had from your time in the food industry? But like, were you just sampling this with neighbors and friends? Like, tell us a little bit about that backstory. Yeah, so I, you know, one of the benefits of being in the industry for as long as we have and the experience we have, we created initially a great group of early investors. So the exit of Whole Foods Groceries, the founder of Boulder Brands, the founder of Pacific Foods, and just a lot of other amazing people who candidly and unabashedly, I have no problem with this, unlocked doors for us, you know, made great introductions. It helped us with the R&D. It helped us with the development, my relationships. I called in a lot of favors from the 10, 15 years that I'd been in business. Um, and a lot of people came through. And so when we initially launched, my goal was not to be the farmer's market to five stores of Whole Foods to a region of Whole Foods. I wanted to go fast and big because it meant, like many food products, we don't have a patent, right? We have a lot of trade secrets, but it's about execution and great branding. So I wanted to move fast. And so we, um, we engaged counterparts. We launched very quickly, actually initially in Chicago, believe it or not, with a partner who helped launch Skinny Pop okay. and launched RX Bars. So he partnered with us. He was a DSD distributor. He got us going so we could have proof of concept. We came into the market in Colorado where we're located in Boulder and partnered with amazing retailers like Lucky's, Alfalfa's, and other independents. And quickly kind of got that initial proof of concept. And to this date, you know, April 20th, 2020, which was a few days ago from when we're recording this, uh, was our second anniversary. And to this date, we've had a 100% success selling rate at retail. And so getting this product in front of the retailers is what we've been focused on, building that ACV, and then obviously focused on velocity, which has been done through trial, demos, events, et cetera. And what about Amazon? You guys have a pretty robust Amazon presence. I have to say that is no like rookie direct to consumers marketplace. Let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you. I will start yeah. that one. Unlike the retail world, I'll switch this to Christina, but I'll start the story because I, and Christina takes all the credit for this. It, it was, we launched April, 2018. And until January, 2019, I could not figure out Amazon. I came into this with a lot of ignorance from an e-commerce perspective. I've been a retail brick and mortar ex- expert, I guess, whatever, for my career. It's like, oh, it's e-commerce. You throw it on there. No problem. You do some marketing behind it. And I could not crack the nut. We were doing less than 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, maybe 2,000 bucks a month on Amazon, which is insane compared to what we're doing now. And finally, Christina, through her guidance, through some really awesome partners that we yeah. found in the industry as well, really took us to the next level. We saw significant growth. And then when Christina came on full time, she really took it to the next level. And uh, I'll let you kind of take it from there. Yeah. And our first was finding the right partners who actually understood how to execute on the platforms. We had our fair shake of ones that weren't doing that very well, honestly. Um, But then, um, then it was the recognition of when we found out we got Shark Tank, right? And so we had been continuing to progress our performance on Amazon month over month. And to Dustin's point, we took it from like $500 a month to maybe like $8,000 a month, which is a really nice progression in six six months. Um, But when you get three and a half weeks notice that you're gonna get 3 million households of eyeballs on your business and the fastest way for them to engage with you is Amazon, you kick it into high gear. So when we found out about Shark Tank, we went to school on e-commerce hardcore. So in um, in those three weeks, we completely refaced our website. 
We completely refaced all of our Amazon content. We built an entirely new marketing program from a Google and search and paid perspective to surround that. And then, um, and then built out on the back end through email marketing and reviews processes, a ways to continue that flywheel of business once you get them started in the, in the trial standpoint. So um, just a massive overhaul of that entire platform so that we could capitalize on that moment of awareness and it paid off huge. So we did um, in the 10 days post Shark Tank, our entire 2019 in e-commerce. Um, so just an unbelievable step change. Now that was a huge uh, spike driven by the awareness in the first Shark Tank, but it set us at a new at a new base. And then now it's about um, pumping that momentum because e-commerce is the gift that keeps on giving. You don't mm. need to rely on luck of them coming back down the aisle or remembering to put you on that shopping list or getting that right paid in there. There's so much you can do to force that remembering um, and that awareness of you through all the digital vehicles that this is, um, it's, it's truly the gift that keeps on giving um, if you just know how to continue to push and invest in the right ways. I want to underline that point, if I may, uh, real quick, which is, and this is this is something more as a high level of a company that I think we do incredibly well. It goes back to how we won, I think, the Insignia Pitch Slam, how we ended up on Shark Tank. They gave us three weeks notice on December, I think it was 27th, we got the email that we were going to be on Shark Tank on January 19th. So that's about three weeks. Keep in mind that's over Christmas break, <laughs> New Year's. No one's working. We had to get production in there. We had to do all these things. And so we found out, I brought my team together that afternoon after about an hour of celebration. <laughs> and I'm a very, I started my career in investment banking. I'm very analytically driven, very P&L focused. And we went down the P&L and we went line by line and figured out what we needed to do to support the Shark Tank. Because Shark Tank is really what you make of it to a mm -hmm. certain degree, right? And I'll tell you what, the, you know, Christina mentioned some things, but also the, what we accomplished in brick and mortar across every single retailer that we partnered with, the amount of things that my team, our partners, our agencies, our friends accomplished in literally probably realistically two weeks after we kind of got our plan and started executing was unreal, unreal. And I think that is underlines what our brand is and why I think we continue to you know, beat the odds because the odds are stacked against us, as you guys know, right? As a small company in the natural food space or any space, um, we really fight against those odds by always delivering uh, as much as we can. Well, that's awesome. That's all. Yeah, that's no, awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's the thing people underestimate about entrepreneurship is just, yeah, how hard and how much you got to grind and work it out. I also think it's hilarious that your anniversary is on the 20th of April too, and that you're <laughs> just outside of Boulder, Colorado, but that, that's a separate topic. But uh, <laughs> you know what's funny about that actually is, so I didn't realize, I hate to admit this, but I didn't realize that until our first anniversary. So it's like, yeah, I have a right. mantra around here. And then Haley, yeah, who's worked with me since day one, she's like, you realize it's on 420, right? I was like, you've got it. <laughs> you had a here. I was just on the phone with another entrepreneur who shall remain nameless, who's doing a phenomenal job in his own company. He was talking about 420. And all he said was, your snacks came in, in handy yesterday. Uh, yeah, right. I bet. I bet. I bet. Well, how, so how big is, so where are you guys now? How big is the product? How many flavors? How big is the product line? Now, now, how are you approaching like the next year, you know, funding wise, anything you can share in relation Absolutely. to the, kind of the growth trajectory of the company and where you plan to go? 
Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll answer that maybe in reverse order, but we, yeah. we started, we launched in, like I said, April 2018. Our first year, we did about $145,000 in revenue. Woohoo, crushing it. <laughs> and uh, it was great. I mean, for us, it was exciting. In our second year, we did about 500,000 plus uh, 2019. So, yeah. you know, still small. It was a lot of things got pushed later. We're still trying to figure out a lot of what we we're doing, building velocities. This year has been a, is, is kind of our hockey stick year. Um, every month so far has been our biggest month ever. Um, and they continue to grow significantly. We initially had started the year with a plan to be 70% retail. We're probably going to end the year 50, 50 retail to e-commerce. Okay, I actually would say it's like 50% e-commerce, 40% retail, and then 10% other, which this 10% other, I'll come back to in a minute because it's been incredibly impactful for our business in a place where I didn't really ever think about a source of volume. Um, but we're, we're probably going to get closer to, you know, hopefully $2 million by the end of this year, which is just amazing to me and just awe-inspiring and I'm so gra grateful for it. In terms of product, we uh, have five flavors on our chips and two in our puffs, and I'll let you go into that. Yeah, so we started, we launched with just four flavors in large size of bags. And then um, mid-year last year, we launched into One Ounce, which has just been an amazing e-commerce portfolio for us. Um, and then we uh, expanded that line with the red and green sriracha on chips in December of this past year. And then in February, we just launched our two Q Puffs lineup. So this is our first line ex or platform extension, let's call it that. Um, but it's, we're super proud of it because it takes the exact same benefit bundle. So the same ingredient list, um, everything vegan, gluten-free, toxicology-free and puts it into an entirely new format. And then we have, um, several new, uh, we have new innovation that'll be coming. So, uh, early Q3, we have, um, two new flavors that we're going to be launching across, uh, chips and puffs. So, uh, our go-to-market model remains move fast, um, innovate quickly, do not compromise though, a second on anything along the way. So some things have taken us a little longer. So one of the flavors is going to be about a year of development because it's just hard to get all of our specs in and still deliver on the taste expectations. Um, but then move fast on e-commerce and promote aggressively, use that as your validation point and then move strategically into retail. There's a couple of things in there that I think is real, are really, really important. So we have a red and green Sriracha that we launched in late December of 2019, such January, 2020. It's already our number two selling skew. Our puffs are a game changer. They, we kind of stumbled on them by accident, but again, if you look at the reviews and the constant comments, people are, I really do think the puffs are the game changer for our business. And it was not something we were necessarily strategically focused on initially. I would say I'm very anti-platform extension as a young brand but it was just something we had to do and the responses have been unbelievable. And so for those entrepreneurs listening, the one thing I always kind of preach on my pedestal is about research. I've never been a big research and R and D guy from a consumer insight standpoint, even in my big CPG days. And even when I had millions of dollars in my budget, you know, something I talk to my students about, I talk to companies I mentor is the power of real conversations with consumers. So when I was running bar businesses, and I literally had, I was a, a GM of a large division of a large company. I had millions of dollars to spend and we would do some of the standard CI work. But my favorite thing to do would be to go to the bar aisle at a Whole Foods or a Kroger and just act stupid. 
So I'd see a woman grab a bar who's in my kind of target demographic and I'd say, oh my God, I'm looking for a bar for my girlfriend or wife. Why, uh, why are you picking that one? Is that a good bar? And you get honest opinions. And I would take 20 of those answers over a 500 person panel or a, you know, 20 different focus groups. With our chips and puffs, we went door to door around our neighborhood and created mom groups and just rewarded you know, them with wine and snacks and said, okay, help us understand what you're thinking. This puff, we had four different sizes of the puff. And we went literally door to door <laughs> getting feedback because you know, we live in a neighborhood that's fairly um, ripe for our demographic and psychographic. And we got feedback. And again, I felt very comfortable after getting 20 pieces of feedback, 30 pieces of feedback that we were right on. Um, and so we've used that very powerfully and it's so far been very successful for us. Yeah, Puffson um, within two weeks was the number one seller on our website. And it's stayed that way every week since. So um, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually incredibly excited to try that. My wife, this, she's gonna kill me, but Mrs. Omni talk at home, she's always eating puffs, but I can't eat them because I can't eat corn because I have a lot of these. Oh, those yeah, so, yeah. This is yeah. perfect. No corn, yeah. rice, or wheat in our stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. So like, I'm pumped about this, but uh, oh yeah, and we're gonna do a, a Omni Talk listeners are gonna get a, a code right for all this stuff. Yep. So what's the, what's the code again? So we will use Omni Talk as the code um, and 20% off any of our products. And so awesome. um, we want you to try. We know once you'll try it, you'll love it. It's we have guarantees. So if you don't like it for some odd reason, you can let us know, um, which is very very rare. But 20% uh, off using the code Omni Talk on our website, kapopsnacks.com. Okay. Um, and we ship out the very next day. So you will always have those snacks ready very, very quickly. Awesome, awesome. So helpful. And how about you guys you? I think final question here, and then we'll get you out on, um, on uh, how millennial are you? But uh, how have you guys had to adjust to this whole COVID-19 thing? Like what's that, how, how's that been for you guys? How has that impacted your business? Well, there's the personal and professional. Yeah. I mean, one of the hard parts um, yeah. about Christina and I being a husband and wife team and both really busy is trying to really feel like we're maximizing what's right for the business, what's right for us and what's right for our kids. And, you know, homeschooling kids, God bless all the people who've done it before this, but it's really difficult to focus the time they need to give them the attention that they require. Uh, that's probably been the hardest thing. I will say, and I said this on the Insignia Pitch Slam too, there's been something though very powerful for me. And I think there's a lot of good things if you kind of take an optimistic approach about all the horribleness of COVID, right? Which has been awful. But for things like I traveled 120,000 miles domestic right. last year. Totally. And I've spent more time with my wife and my kids over the past month than I probably have all of last year combined. Um, having that relationship, our kids are becoming best friends with each other. Right. And so I think there's some power in that also learning as a lot of people said that we can do things through video channels and other things that maybe that don't require as much travel. So I think there's some power coming out of that uh, on a business perspective. I am a part of a lot of CEO groups and they've been very cathartic. We meet weekly and talk about you know, what's going on in our worlds. And it's interesting to see how everyone's emotions change fairly dramatically week to week from person to person, right? One week you're up, next week you're down. I think I've noticed kind of three types of companies um, that are coming out of this and I'll, and I'll talk about where we're at. One is a company that I think just had bad luck. And I'm talking about the food space, obviously restaurants and all the other industries are different and suffering really dramatically. But in our kind of world, in our size, 
let's say you just happen to be low on cash reserves at the time COVID hit and you're, you're in heavy in the midst of fundraising and you really didn't have a chance to really come into this with some runway. I think you were really in an unfortunate position and I think that's going to weed out some companies that otherwise might have been great companies, uh, unfortunately. I think the second thing is part of that has been understanding what's a need and a want. So there's a lot of things in the natural food industry that I think we think are needs, but we're finding out our wants from partners, from agencies, from support staff, from team, et cetera. And so really putting a critical eye to what's a need versus a want to build your business, I think has been helpful. And that goes to the kind of the third bucket, which is the CEOs who have been proactive and not reactive. And I, and I hope we would fall into that bucket, but from day one, we started aggressively looking at our PL. Now the top line has been doing great, but you know, it's all about cash runway. It's all about really understanding where we can do. So we were able to shave or add, I should say about three months of runway to our cash portfolio through some really aggressive work on our PL. Our partners have been absolutely amazing in their ability to work with us and proactively thinking about supply chain, about launches, Consumer needs are shifting online, so dramatically shifting our focus, like I said, 70-30 retail to e-commerce to 50-50 and really making those changes. So I think those have been the companies that are very successful and something that we're focused on day by day. Yeah, I think that um, the the two uh, biggest things that I'm like most proud of slash continuing to be challenged on is exactly what Dustin talked about. We have a kindergartner and a second grader. Yeah. So making sure that we're helping them progress while managing the business um, and managing the business now means, you know, running our original business playbook and continuing to run the day-to-day that we need to do in order to keep pop snacks thriving and growing and then running our new playbook which is how do we think about optimizing within this constantly changing retail retail environment and i think the thing that i'm most proud of is that we were presenting out to our investors a a covid 19 plan for the business um seven days after expo west um because we were um we were clear that there was like clouds on the horizon and we needed to be at the front of the line and convincing them that we had the playbook and we were ready to go and that we're the team to continue to bet on um, because we're, we're going to be, we're going to have the forethought um, to go after the opportunities and dodge the risks. So. And no, by the way, we're a food company and we can support our community too. So the St. Brain school district, which is a school district that we're a part of in Colorado, you know, all the kids who really struggle to get, healthy meals or meals at all through this, you know, we really have leveraged our supply to, to partner with them and donate. We're doing a big donation to Northwestern hospital this week, uh, to feed some of their, uh, some of their staff who maybe sometimes gets overlooked. Um, you know, the people are really working hard, keeping the rooms clean and keeping the hospital safe. So we're, um, we're excited to do things like that. And our yeah. investors, have been incredible partners. One of our investors is buying product at cost to donate as many places as possible. So it's been, uh, it's been great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And really good advice, really good advice too. I think in terms of how to, how to think about what's happened and kind of put your own thought process in your own company and perspective, if you are out there doing the grind, like we are as, as entrepreneurs. So, yeah. so cool. Awesome. Well, Hey, thanks you guys. We, we got to get you out of here on this though. It's our okay. standard questionnaire. And I think we got to put them through how millennial are you? All right, let's do this. Are you guys ready? 
I'm scared. I'm thoroughly excited. <laughs> All right. We'll start with the first question. So we'll use more normal circumstances for, for this one. Um, but say you're going into a grocery store, you're buying out every single pop chip bag that they have in stock. Uh, are you paying with a credit card or mobile payment? Mobile payment. Credit card. <laughs> oh, Christina, why? Because <laughs> I'm too lazy to set up my new phone. <laughs> Dustin, I, uh, what about I you? I would say mine's less millennial and more I'm a point fanatic. And so you get points. I'm also an Android guy, which also might be, make me anti-millennial. But like I, uh, you get points for, Sam, or for, Google, for Samsung Pay and oh. for, you know, you get points on your credit card. So I'm like double dip it. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's a, that's, a new, yeah, yeah. that's a new highlight to how millennial are you? I don't think anybody's talked about the, the Samsung pay points uh, in addition. So. <laughs> I know, no, that, we're back to even. Have you heard even. about this, yes. this fax machine technology? It's yes. Kind of oh, that's tell like me more. It's like ish the way Justin <laughs> just that one, but that's good. All right, next question. How many times in the last week have you ordered coffee, food, takeout, drinks via an app? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think realistically. I Instacart. Mean, we've done Instacart. We've done Chipotle. We've done DoorDash. Yeah. I mean, I would say literally. Four or five. I even bought a basketball hoop, you know, and that was all oh, yeah. done electronically now as well, including curbside. So, I, I mean, literally everything that we're doing is electronically based. Now, that's a function of coronavirus so sure. and, I, and actually to be serious for a second i do think this is going to fundamentally change how people interact so people who are laggards maybe like me and some of the technology um are adopting things much more quickly than they otherwise would have because they're forced to and it's going to change how people perceive that in the future before Absolutely. this we were probably more in the middle of the the curve where we'd probably do an online food order like once uh, or twice a week maybe and okay. you know, instacart when we were lazy <laughs> um, so that's changed dramatically. Okay. All right. You guys are doing better. That saved you. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay I, never, last... I never thought about that question either. Like in terms of like, now that we ask it now, it's kind yeah. of interesting because if people haven't yeah. switched, that's really telling in terms of right. where people are on the curve. Yeah. So far we're seeing that everyone's switching in yeah. probably the three or four. Those people are, are like foraging in their backyards for. Yeah. Like, I'm like trying berries. to push my I don't parents know. up the hill. Like they, I'm like, you know, this is possible, right? Like, right. Right. All right, last question, you guys. Um, if you could only use one social app, which one would it be and why? Oh, uh, Friendster? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> you guys even heard of that one. Instagram. Oh. Um, I would, this is going to definitely age me, but I would probably say Facebook. Um, okay. But I have a good answer, and I think it's going to unage me a bit. So, okay. as I mentioned, I, I asked this question actually of my college students every semester. And I asked them to rank the social platforms. And you, lately, it's been Instagram number one. Okay. Then it's um, you know, Snapchat or something else, and then Facebook, and then some, you know, and TikTok's starting to creep up a little bit right now. Yeah. But here's the thing, is every one of them's on Facebook. And what's nice about Facebook is no matter what demographic you're in, you're probably on there in some way, shape or form. You might not be sharing the same way, but everybody's on Facebook. So at least I know there's a common linkage between young, the old, the old fashioned. Uh, so for me, that's why 
I would choose Facebook because I'm being strategic about it. Yeah. Instagram <laughs> brings me joy. I love it. Oh, all right. Yeah, we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. Truth be told, and you'll have to keep me honest on this one, but I don't think we've heard Facebook that often. I think we've, how are, we've probably done it a hundred times, maybe. No, people don't like to admit Facebook, Dustin. Yeah, but, so, yeah. I mean, but I'm showing you why it's strategically the right answer. Yeah. I mean, oh, all these other answers. confident in oh. that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're getting like a little bit too much of a window into his like psychographics that everything requires strategic intent. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are also at that age with kids to where Facebook just becomes, I think, you know, relatively speaking, more important too, which at least that's true in our household. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Aunts, so aunts and uncles and grandparents aren't on any other platform. Right. I'm exactly. definitely much more of a social media voyeur than a poster though, for sure. Except LinkedIn. I will say LinkedIn, I, I, again, going back to serious, LinkedIn has blown my mind on how powerful it is from a business PR perspective. Mm -hmm. Everyone who comes to us in the industry um, including insignia and other things has been through like, Oh, I saw this about you on LinkedIn. I saw this or wow, you're doing really well based on X. I saw on LinkedIn. It's the most powerful PR engine I've ever seen for a business. And I had no idea about that before starting this company. So, mm -hmm. um, from a business perspective, there's no question. The power of LinkedIn outweighs for, again, from a PR perspective, any other social media engine whatsoever. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I feel the same way about LinkedIn. In fact, it scares me sometimes just because of how much business we do through that platform and, and how many connections we make. So, yeah. Right. Well, awesome. Well, this has been awesome. This has been great, you guys. Fantastic interview. It's been great to hear the origin story. It's been great to hear about Kapop. Uh, you mentioned where people can go and buy the product. If people want to go get in touch with you, is, is what's, what's the best way for them to do that? Should they hit you up on LinkedIn? Like, what do you guys prefer? Yeah, obviously LinkedIn is um, super easy. Otherwise, you can email me, um, Christina, the CH at popsnacks.com. All right. Well, thank you, guys. That was fantastic. That was awesome. Thanks so much for sitting with us. Again, for those listening, this has been Dustin and Christina Fenkel, the founders and CEO and CMO of Kapop. Thanks to them. Thanks, of course, to Insignia Systems. Thanks to them for sponsoring the Pitch Slam competition, giving us the chance to sit down with Christina and Dustin today. And thanks to them, as always, for the sponsorship of everything we do here at OmniTalk. On behalf of Insignia, on behalf of Dustin and Christina and Anne, as always, be careful out there.